Welcome to Shared Instance, a podcast on iOS development by three iOS developers in Cincinnati, Ohio. I'm Sam Corder. I'm Alex Argo. And I'm Alex Robinson. This is episode 123. So yeah, we had a nice little event today. I'm assuming you two watched it. Yep. Absolutely. I was there watching it from the comfort of my own home. I don't know about you guys, but if you had to like put down money on who would have been the first Apple executive to like cluck like a chicken on stage, I would have gone for Eddie Q, not C-Fig, but I was wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Eddie Q would only cluck like a hungover chicken. Okay. But uh, I don't know about you guys, but I was... I was watching the the event kind of like terrified of like what craziness I was going to have to do for my apps or what how it could mess things up because I guess another thing that happened in the leaks is when the firmware leaked we saw that at the bottom of the screen there is like a little bar for the iPhone 10 it turns out that you basically it's just like the indicator to show you that oh yeah you can you can just drag up to do all the old home button stuff. Yeah. Can, can you also swipe on that bar to go from app to app? They showed something like that, I thought. Or was that... Only- yeah, you you basically just swipe up to about halfway, and then it takes you into the app switcher versus just swiping up all the way, I think, is what gets you... Okay. But I remember back when, when Control Center came out, was that iOS 7, maybe? 7 or 8, yeah, when they... Yeah. When they stole the bottom swipe. Yeah, so my my apps have always and still to this day uh, are all played by it's a, they're card games. So you swipe from the bottom to the top to play your cards. And so I remember like running the beta on my phone, and being like, "Oh crap, this is not good." And they eventually made it so full screen apps uh, required two swipes, right, to go up. You get the little um, tab, right, that would appear. Yeah. Yeah, but if but if it's if it's just like a app that has a status bar showing then it was just one swipe. But yeah, so seeing those leaked screenshots and having all this talk about this functionary, I was like, "Ah, oh, crap. What is this going to do to my app?" And we can talk about maybe some of the implementation stuff later after we get through kind of our thoughts on the event, but I was just watching like, "Oh man, what's going to happen?" <laughs> <laughs> so I'm sure like uh I don't know if you know Curtis Herbert has his Slopes app, and there's been like little bits and pieces leaking about uh, skiing support, and it looks like they announced it, but there is not details. He was like on Twitter, like, "Give me more information about this, <laughs> <laughs> this skiing thing. I need to know." Yeah. So it's it's a unique brand of dread that you watch keynotes with if you're a, a small or indie iOS developer. So. So what else did you guys think of the event? So I guess starting with the watch, we got we got Series Three. It's got cellular now. It's they said it wasn't thicker, except for the little heart rate bump is thicker. So <laughs> the casing is the same. Yeah, the little red dot on the cellular version is strange. It kind of reminds me of like a HAL nine thousand or something. But yeah, it'll it's kind they're doing something different. I guess this is like the indicator that you have the third gen watch since nothing else looks different i guess <laughs> the third gen yeah. cellular watch like that. yeah is it only on the cellular one that has the red dot okay yeah hmm. 
I don't know about you guys, but I looked at that and I was like, eh, that seems cool. If I didn't hadn't, I have a series two. When they announced all this stuff, I really felt no no need to to buy it or even to like. I don't think if I had an app, I'd need to test things on it either. It seems like just another radio, for the most part. Yeah, the it's got a faster processor, so in theory, you know, there might be some performance improvements, but generally speaking, it's not not really any other features in the LTE. I have the Series Zero, so um, I don't know if I'll be tempted to buy or not. It's a little more of an upgrade for you, so it might make sense. I'm waiting for the new form factor, though. It's a little interesting that they they kept the Series 1 as their lower price point and dropped Series 2 altogether. That's, that's Apple getting their margins up. That's what they do, right? <laughs> I guess the other reason not to... To stick with a Series 1 for the lower price model, is it there's more of like a feature difference without the waterproofing and the GPS that's in the Series 2? Oh, the other, the other thing that would be different with the Series 3 would be the charging. Because I'm, I'm assuming that the Series 3 is a Qi charge mechanism rather than the magnetic charging. Yeah, I think he said that you needed the, the third generation for that. Yeah, I, to be honest, like I went into this keynote event thinking, all right, I'm going to want this new iPhone, iPhone 10, um, and that's really all I'm going to want. And I was feeling really good until, not to jump ahead, but in the iPhone 10 portion, they showed, oh yeah, we've got this new air charging thing with one mat, and then you you can lay your your iPhone, and then you can lay your watch next to it, and then you can lay your your Apple or your AirPods, right? Yeah. So I was like, ah, oh, crap. That's that's the one thing that's like gonna make me even think about like purchasing more of this stuff because it would be so nice. Like my nightstand is just like a mess of cords. It's horrible. <laughs> <laughs> I've got all three of those things charging every night, and yeah, it's just it's a mess. I don't know. Yeah. So I have an iHome uh, dock. It's a, a radio as well. And I, I just plug my phone onto that every day or every night and then have a uh, watch stand right next to that. So it's really not that crowded for me. But I don't have AirPods either. Yeah. So, Sam, are, are you, what, what are you thinking about the watch? Do you think you want to get it or? No, I have a two. You, yeah. Yeah. It seems like if you have a series two, it's like, oh, that's cool. Cool new features. But so, yeah. So af- after the Apple Watch, we got the Apple TV. Uh, we got 4K. We got HDR. We got some sports stuff. What else am I missing? Got a game. Yeah, I like I like that game company. Journey is a really really cool game. It's more their games are like more art than they are substance. I, I think yeah. No, not substance. The <laughs> the games are are fun, but they're they're not like uh. They're more like an experiential thing as opposed to like a game that's like super hard that you play because of the challenge or something like that. They're more just like, oh, that that looks cool and it's fun to kind of just go through their game. So I really like Journey. I think it'll probably be a cool game. It'll be on my phone and my iPad too. So, um, but yeah, I don't. Seems like it'll work probably just fine on the the old Apple TV too. Yeah, I don't think they really gave the Apple TV as, as 
processor spec bump other than what putting a X chip in it. So it's got better uh, video processing units in it to handle the 4K. No, it's got a it's got a A10X now instead of the A8X or something like that. Or uh, A10 Fusion is that what it's called? So okay. yeah, it's a it's a significant CPU bump it got. I think yeah. it got I mean, a GPU bump too, didn't it? Yeah. I mean, Which it's all the kind same of the point, system on a chip, yeah. Kind of the point of the game demo was the, the increase in performance. Okay. And the lighting, I thought, looked like it was probably a pretty expensive, you know, GPU-wise thing to do. So it was definitely, seemed like it was taking advantage. I thought it was yeah. funny on the live stream, they were talking about, look at all these colors in the 4K, and like I'm watching it on my 1080 screen a video of someone looking at this screen that supposedly has all these awesome colors and stuff. I'm like, it really loses something in the translation when you're sitting at home and watching it. But yeah, I, I could still tell it looks like it was pushing some pixels there. I think it was also uh, the the clouds uh, were probably a big, you know, they mentioned that as being a, a performance uh, challenge on anything other than the newer hardware. Yeah, okay. I mean, it's it was definitely a pretty looking game. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, I have a 4K HDR TV, so I'll be definitely getting one of these. Uh, I feel like if you don't have a 4K HDR TV, there's not really much use. We, ha- we heard rumors of like a remote redesign or something like that. And from what I can tell, like the menu button has like a white circle around it. So maybe there's some like a, just a slight visual difference, but... Maybe they have Touch they ID didn't... on the remote, so you can do purchases. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, they didn't talk about the remote at all. You could just see, like, in pictures they showed of the new Apple TV. So I'm kind of kind of bummed that they didn't try to make the remote a little more user-friendly. Yeah. Um, I mean, the it's weird because the all the OS, um, the, the firmware leaks had like references to tactic input and stuff like that which made you think oh yeah there's going to be like some different type of functionality or maybe it's just small enough that they didn't feel the need to talk about it although i find that hard to believe but i'll be getting one of these just just because i've i've got hardware that is ready for it so yeah and the pricing is fairly reasonable too it's reasonable in the in the in the space of apple tv pricing (laughs) yes (laughs) yeah but if you're Uh, comparing it to like a fire tv or one of the sticks or something not at all yeah i actually got a roku that does 4k and hdr and it was i mean hundred just over a hundred bucks yeah i got i got the higher end one and it was just over a hundred bucks so the apple tv is still way more expensive than other products that do the exact same thing um, I just I just keep hoping that Apple's going to get their content deals together. And I guess the one thing that was exciting to me was that it looks like they actually, you know, nailed down a deal that had been in rumors that they were having issues. But basically, uh, if you have an HD movie now you and there's a 4K version available, you get it. And the 4K is going to cost the same as HD. So I was actually pretty impressed that they pulled that off. That's a very nice feature, considering yeah. the... Movie companies are always trying to scrape a little extra. So, what do you think about the Apple TV, Alex? I'll probably end up getting one. I uh, and I think it is probably more because the content is going to be upgraded. And you know, I have a 4K dis- uh, TV that I got earlier this year, but no 4K content. So, 
Yeah, it'll be nice to be able to make that, make use of that. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, you you could always uh, cancel your Direct TV membership and wait for them to offer a, a new Apple TV for free. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that is true. It seems like that's a perpetual deal there they're offering but uh maybe they would offer the old one though who knows but yeah i guess that's enough about that apple tv the next next thing was kind of the main event you know we're talking about the new phones so the iphone 8 kind of got a bit of a redesign and it got all the stuff that normally gets better (laughs) yeah i mean i mean it's not much more than what you would expect from a 7s in terms of like, you know, bumps in camera, uh, processor, etc. Uh, probably the the biggest noticeable difference is the glass backing, and more the aesthetics of it than anything else. I don't know. What did you guys think? Yeah, I mean, we got the new feature where you can do the the light adjustment. I think that was. I'm pretty sure that was on the iPhone eight as well. It I may just be right, on the yeah. rear camera. Um, yeah, it's got to have the, I think it has to have the depth camera, All right. the dual camera for with the depth, depth mapping. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not a, a person who makes, you know, expensive phones. I'm not, I don't really understand who they're marketing at. Like, who's going to go and pre-order this thing at midnight? Although it seems like the other one is in short supply and it's coming out later. So, I, yeah, I just don't... It seems like Apple wants lots of people to buy this phone and then they're going to be constrained on the new iPhone ten. But, yeah, I don't I don't quite get who this phone is for. Well, I think, you know, the ten is a pretty significantly high price point. I mean, it's, it's the same price as a MacBook Air. Oh, yeah. And, you know, not everybody's going to be buying that. So I, I think people who are already due for an upgrade that don't want to drop the the thousand plus dollars for the ten, I, I think that's probably the, the the primary market. Now, if you did the upgrade program, I don't know what that entitles you to. Does that entitle you to the ten? Well, I think you get a new phone and you get a new price that you pay monthly for it. So yeah, whichever one understand. you want. Yeah, so if you want to pay like twenty bucks more a month, I I'm guessing you would get you could get the the ten. And then the ten generally, you know, for the most part, is the same size as the eight, right? In terms of physical size, not screen size. Yeah, as as a iPhone seven plus user, I'm I'm kind of worried that I'm gonna miss some of the screen real estate that I had on the on the on the plus phones, but I think I'll probably still still enjoy it so i think won't the screen sizes be roughly the same just without all the chrome around it i'll mention this again later but basically it's the same it's it's 3x instead of 2x but it's the same points as a you know an existing iphone 7 or iphone 8 375 it's 375 points the iphone 7 and 6 were all 375 points wide as well so if you have any you know ui table view cells and all that stuff uh it'll be the same it's it'll, it'll just get more cells but so before we talk about some of the developer focused stuff like what are your guys thoughts on the on the eight i guess we haven't gotten to the, the 10 yet 
Oh, yeah, the eight. Are we are we at the ten yet? <laughs> yeah, I mean the the eight. It's nice. It's a great phone, but it's not the ten. I think in you know thinking about it afterwards, I don't think it's a huge upgrade from a seven to an eight. But I might change my mind on that. Yeah, if you're upgrading every other year, like I still have a success. So this eight phone, or yeah, the eight phone would have been a great phone for me if they had not introduced the ten. My my one question would be, will they try to bring back Touch ID onto this thing at some point down the line? Yes. <laughs> well, yeah, well they, supposedly they were working on Touch ID through the glass. And I think if they can do that, they might bring it back, especially, um, especially after they get some data on the, the Face ID. Now... The slides suggested that Face ID was even more secure than Touch ID, so you know as, maybe not. As long as you don't have an evil twin, right? Right. But yeah, uh, I, watching some of the people in these demo areas, uh, I know one of the things that we had worried about with this face unlocking thing is, uh, you know, what if? And this is probably a scenario that is super rare, wouldn't happen to us, but like, couldn't someone force you to? unlock your phone just by like holding it up to your face and they briefly touch on it in the keynote but you actually have to be like have your attention on it and you have to be looking at it um so uh the, in the demo that i saw the, the after the guy added his face as a second face the apple employee was like all right now lock it and then point it at me now look at that person and move it back and it didn't unlock and until the Apple employee told him, now look at the phone. And that's that's when it did it. So other than like the uh, the thing where you can tap five times to go into like that emergency mode, it looks like you actually have to be looking at the phone to unlock it. So and it's it happened super quick, too. I was really impressed by it. So, yeah, but if somebody grabs your phone and says, hey, look at this and they shove it right in your face, you're going to look at it reflexively. So. that seems like a contrived uh thing that would happen i mean someone could grab your phone and say hey put like they could grab your hand and put it on it too but they could or they could program their thumb print into your phone while you weren't looking yeah i I guess if it's maybe it's slightly worse in that regard but the other stuff actually seems like it's better for for most things so it seems like maybe in the scenario of someone shoving your phone in your face to <laughs> unlock the phone, it's it's just as it's like almost as good, good enough that I don't think anyone's going to care. Is kind of my yeah. thoughts on. Now, can you program it to unlock with your dog's face? <laughs> Only your Animoji dog's face. All right. So that that's a good segue. Not really, but it's a horrible segue. <laughs> it's a horrible segue. And now I have to leave it in because. <laughs> but, you know, I, I, I you know, the, the big feature that I'm sure everybody's excited about is the animated emojis, the animojis. Yeah, the talking poo. <laughs> the talking poo. Yeah. Yes. And and rainbow unicorn. That's right. Yeah, I, I got um, yeah, that that may Craig. have been more exciting if the Emoji Movie <laughs> ha- 
had better reviews, maybe. Yeah, I wonder if they would have had like a tie-in with the Emoji Movie if it like, hadn't. T.J. Miller <laughs> comes on ridiculously and... bad. <laughs> Although yeah. I felt like uh, Hair Force One kind of got maximum dad joke out of out of that segment, so yeah, <laughs> I think mission was accomplished. That's what he was going for. The the memes are was circulating before the keynote was over. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Or a gif. I, I guess it was a gif more than a meme. But, yeah. Um, so that's our that's our gimmicky gimmicky feature that with that messages has so that it's like the oh I need to be able to send my gimmicky face emoji thing to other people to get people to want to buy it for well, viral reasons. Well, it's kind of like the doodle and the heartbeat on the watch. I mean, you you did that the first few times after yep, you got and your you're watch. Like, All right, this and is the, not. Yeah. I mean. Emojis do sell phones, right or wrong, <laughs> uh, but they do. And this is—I uh, assume this is stemmed from an acquisition they did back in 2015. A company called, I think it was Face Shift, where they had—you know—it was more for like movies and, and games, where you could basically control the facial features of a, a troll or, or some character in a game uh, using your own face. Or using an actor's face, uh, so you know this. This seems like that's coming from that acquisition. So not necessarily new technology, just applied to emojis. Well, and there's, I mean, there's Snapchat too. So <laughs> yeah, Snapchat's been doing a lot with the AR stuff. Lately. Yeah, one of the uh, in the demos I saw, they had they had an updated version of Snapchat. Uh, on the phone and they had updated it to kind of use this new more more in-depth facial information that they had so snapchat was looking extra snappy um and they showed one password and mint using or i think it was mint uh using uh your face id just out of the box for uh as a replacement for touch id so if you use those apis in your existing apps it'll just work with the new phone, which is actually nice. So, as silly as this sounds, do you think apps like that, like One Password, for example, are they going to change the thumbprint icon um, <laughs> based on the device that you have to a face? Well, I think the thumbprint icon. I, eh, I can't talk. I think the thumbprint icon was coming from Apple. Or are you talking about like where they create their own icon? Yeah, yeah, has, like, yeah. And one one to, password. Like, activate it's, it. Yeah. Yeah, I think they'll probably have to change it. <laughs> yeah. The icon they used was kind of uh, basic from an Apple perspective, but I think it might have been a little bit uh, of a homage or whatever to the old uh, uh, sad Mac Mac icon. Yeah. Although I I think the. I think one password at least uses that that icon sparingly. Like most of the time, when you're going to use it, um, it just prompts you right away. Like if you're using it in an extension, it's only like when you're in the app, yeah, and you yeah. haven't unlocked it for a while that it you get the opportunity to press that icon or to enter your code. So yes. it wouldn't show up that often, anyways. But yeah, well, I just added uh, Touch ID and One Password to an app uh, a few weeks ago. And I added the thumbprint icon, so now I feel like I have to go back oh, and change bummer. it. Not not a big deal, but it's um, yeah, I've got to think through that a little bit. So, 
So are you guys going to be uh, on October 27th staying up until 3 a.m. to to order your iPhone 10? I'll just wake up at uh, 10 till 3. Oh, okay, that works. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, yeah, I'm going to attempt to buy one. <laughs> I'm going to give it a couple of days at least and see if I still think it's worth buying. It, it's definitely a higher price point. Well, you've got three months, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> or not three months. You've got like two months to make that decision. One month. One month. One and a half. I'm gonna say that again. <laughs> you have one. You have one and a half months to make that decision. Yeah. Six weeks. So I. So. I will probably end up buying one just because I'll want it for testing, if nothing else. But yeah, it is definitely a pricey phone. Yeah, it's honestly though, it's not much more pricier than what you would get if you decked out a plus phone right it wasn't really hard to take a plus phone and spend a thousand dollars on it by the time you bump the storage all the way up it was pushing that thousand range if not more also depending on which finish you got yeah so alex you mentioned that you're dreading having to you know deal with this face id change for the app you just released an update for not that long ago, um, but right after the event, um, Apple gave us our iOS 11 GM, and they also gave us the GM for Xcode, and they actually gave us a whole bunch of videos about specifically designing for the iPhone 10, which I thought was kind of interesting. So I've been playing with that stuff kind of over the past couple hours, and there's a there's a lot of stuff going on there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just, I, I think a lot of people, like right after the event, probably didn't know those videos came out. There was an update to the WWDC app, but uh, I, I suspect by the time this episode's out, people will have received a few emails from Apple telling them to, to update their apps and check out the videos. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I, it might be useful just uh since we're a developer-focused show, maybe run over kind of the high level of some of that stuff just to tell you what you need to know if you're going to be updating your apps for, for the iPhone X. Um, might be useful. So remember how before everything was announced, we were like, oh yeah, there's probably some API that Apple gave us with iOS 11 that they couldn't say, oh yeah, you need to use this or or you're not going to work on the new iPhones or whatever. We were guessing there was one there. We didn't know what it was. It turns out that was the uh, the safe area guides that they added in iOS 11. Uh, were you guys familiar with those? Or you, the, you're like, oh, yeah, that's that makes sense now. Yeah, the, scroll, <laughs> like the scroll views that they had, like the safe content insets. And then there was the, for tvOS, they had the... Uh, safe areas too i think they actually called them safe areas there well yeah they added them everywhere i think for for tvos the excuse they had was sometimes your uh your, your tvs had different over TVs all like cut and, yeah, yeah overscan. yeah sometimes it'll stuff will get cut off with overscan. um but i don't remember what their reasoning was for for ios but <laughs> yeah it's the iphone 10 <laughs> just that the well, scroll view is such a pain in the butt to program with when you're trying well, to the scroll views the scroll views a couple different things. That's they've got two different sets of guides. They've got like the content size and then the scroll view size. 
so that's part of the challenge. And then uh, the safe areas on top and bottom, I think, replace the the top layout guide and bottom layout guide. And then theoretically on the iPad, you can have wider left and right margins or leading and trailing margins uh, for content. Hmm. So there, there's a few things they mentioned for iOS 11 uh, yeah. that justify it on, on the devices with without necessarily requiring a, a new device. Oh, yeah. But so but it becomes painfully obvious, like once you watch these videos. So basically, you know, the the safe the safe area on an iPhone 10 uh, cuts out the corners and the status bar completely. Um so that you only get the kind of like a square area that you can put stuff anywhere on. So it makes sure that your stuff's not cut off and, and all yeah. of that. Um, yeah. So what happens if you have a bottom toolbar? That so the you bottom toolbar. But not an actual toolbar. What if you oh. <laughs> what if you draw your own toolbar? <laughs> I haven't done this. I just I'm I'm wondering it. If somebody I'm asking for a friend. <laughs> Maybe for a friend that used React Native or PhoneGap yeah. or something. Hopefully if it was React Native, they'd use a native to a par. But they don't do that kind of stuff. Yeah. But I guess basically what they say is uh if if you have custom UI, uh use these safe areas if you're using auto layout and then there's like uh there's some property like a safe area inset if you're doing stuff in code. Um, so uh, either way, you can kind of use that. Now, you know, your, your standard UI toolbars will, they just get taller, and then you have that little line at the bottom that's called the home indicator. Um, and apparently that is light or dark to kind of, it supposedly does it automatically. We'll see how, if this is actually true to, contrast the most with the background um but yeah like like we were talking about earlier the the iphone 10 is the same width and points uh what do we come up with five or sorry 375 375 points wide and it's like just over a thousand points tall so if you have uh ui table views you probably won't really have to do much um so that's kind of nice. Uh, the, although they do say that at the bottom, you're su- you're basically supposed to let stuff scroll under that home indicator, which I thought looked kind of weird. Hmm. Um, and another kind of odd thing that you'll probably find out about the home indicator is it taps go straight through. So if you have a, a cell that's right underneath it and you tap on that cell, it'll the, the cell will get the, the touches. It's only the swipe up gesture that um, will will trigger the the home indicator stuff that we saw in the keynote. So it's kind of an interesting thing I noticed in the video. Uh, so I assume there's different behavior based on whether or not you built with Xcode 9 versus a previous version. I'm guessing it's kind of like uh, what they've done with other changes in aspect ratio. Like until you build it with the latest yeah. tools, it's going to make the safe choice yep that's yeah and the safe choice is kind of crappy so we have a full screen app and right now if we build it in xcode 9 um we get we get black bars on the top and bottom uh of the screen as well as uh 
on the side. So it's it kind of puts it in like a iPhone SE size almost on the iPhone 10, which looks you're going to basically you're going to want to update your app so it doesn't do that. <laughs> so you know but, that yeah. that makes sense because how would it know what color to make it the bottom bar or the bottom section? Right, yeah, the, the it has it has to have a spot for that. And so if you do want to get the full screen experience, all you have to do is link against iOS 11. Uh, so if you're you know have the base SDK, yeah, if you have the base SDK set to latest, you're fine. Um, and then this one is kind of interesting. You have to have a launch storyboard. You can't have the uh, different launch images anymore if you want to get iPhone yeah. 10 compatibility. So those are the two things you need to do in. And then you get all that stuff. Um, there's some other things that break that are fun. Um, and most of them are actually in landscape mode, which is odd enough. So like UI table views by default, if you're building for the iPhone 10, the content uh, view is actually inset on both of the sides, which kind of gets it in that safe area. But if you like set a background color on the content view, then the edges won't have that that content color, so or that background color, which, so it's just something you're gonna have to deal with. Uh, or maybe you just lock your phone to to portrait only, <laughs> and then you yeah. avoid a lot of the issues. Yeah, I saw some screenshots of that and comments of uh, not not caring for the presentation <laughs> with the insets. But... Yeah, the uh, another thing you'll you'll like this, Sam, because I know uh, UI search controllers are your favorite thing, right? Always, yes. Yeah, so you have to use the new iOS 11 uh, navigation bar search controller feature or else uh, by default a search controller that you just present as a view will get cut off. So that's fun. (laughs) Um, Trying to think what else was important that was there. Uh, So apparently they have a... A thing called edge protection, which I have not figured out how it works. Um, but basically, you can you can set this and it changes the behavior slightly, so that it's kind of like control center where you have to swipe up twice in order to make all the new home stuff work. But they strongly discourage that. We'll see see how that goes. And they also have an auto hide feature where. Like if you're if you're a video app, they they say only use it for passive experiences, but it'll basically fade away the the home indicator uh, until the screen is touched. So if, like for me, I have a game, my screen will constantly be touched, so I can't use that because it wouldn't be very helpful to me. Um, but I guess if you're a video app, you may want to be turning on auto hide for the home indicator. But yeah, this is this is going to be fun stuff right. to. There's going to be a lot of testing, I think, that I feel like with with devices lately that were new, it's like, oh, this, the screen size is maybe different or, or whatever. There's things that are iOS-wide, but these are, you really got to test landscape, it seems like now, and you need to mess with that, that home indicator guy in the, in the corners a lot, so. I also noticed. I guess it's, go ahead. I noticed uh, the demo app, the, the game Sky, I think it's called. Yep, they have the. They have the home indicator in there. But they also, like, some of their game controls were a little bit, or indicators were a little bit clipped by the the camera notch at the top. 
in landscape. I I hadn't noticed that. I wonder if they hadn't had time to fully. They might not have had hardware, so <laughs> yeah, um, you know, they might not have known where the placement and, and what kind of impact it was going to have. But yeah. that's that's going to be interesting to see uh, what happens there. And, yeah, and if you're custom drawing your UI or your if you're basically not using something that has access to the the safe layout guides, it's going to be a pain to deal with that stuff. <laughs> yeah, so if like maybe a Unity game or something might you might have to take yeah, that into that consideration. <laughs> you know, it, it probably doesn't matter until you you build it for for the latest, but it uh, you're probably going to be motivated to do that either way. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I guess the big bummer. All right, it's not a bummer. Um, it's it's a bummer to the people who want the new phone that it's going to come out later, and it sounds like it's probably going to be pretty supply constrained. So you may be waiting a while, but at least we get a little bit more time than we do normally to make all these changes that they gave us. You got another month, so that's true. Yeah, yeah I didn't I didn't think about that. That's that is at least one silver lining to that. It's not a mad dash. Uh, in, in the next week or a few days. Yeah, but I mean, if, especially if you're, if you have an existing app, and I mean, you may be getting a bunch of calls from 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 people, Alex. I'm sure in your line of business, to, with like a frantic, oh crap, I need to make it work, or they'll realize it when the new one comes out, and they're like, oh no, <laughs> this looks terrible. Perhaps broken on this new phone. Yeah. So, yeah, it's more it's more than we normally have to do. I feel like uh, for a new device. I also wonder how many uh, app owners are going to go and say, oh, why isn't my app working on iOS 11? Because they haven't updated it in several years, and it's 32-bit only. So, we'll... yeah, I know that, that that the percentage of apps out there are probably kind of small, but it's not, not an insignificant yeah, there's number. It's not zero. Yeah, there's a lot of good apps out there yeah it's a bummer i think i saw I think uh, apple justifies it that they was like it's like less than one percent of apple's app store revenue so they're not super worried about <laughs> it which from an apple standpoint makes sense but if you're like an indie who you know released a game with a publisher four years ago then you're feeling kind of crappy but you may not even have the rights to updated at this point well at the same time you probably weren't making a lot of money from it at that point either well yeah but these are like uh it's like the the app store came out and there's all these new experiences like there's all these iconic old games that yeah you could first do on a touch screen and they may have had like free-to-play sequels that really messed up the the formula but there's all these old fun games that were it's kind of like you know how if you want to play the original Super Mario Brothers, you can play it a whole bunch of different places. But with like these old 32-bit games on iOS, they're kind of just gone. Yeah, we don't really have like an iOS nine or ten emulator that we can run on it that'll let us play old games. And maybe at some point we will. And maybe they'll. But yeah, it seems like. That and them being distributed only via the App Store makes that super unlikely, which is a real bummer. That does yeah, remind we... me of a quick, important PSA. Yeah. So if you have any devices that you need to take down to iOS 10 because maybe you were testing out betas for iOS 11, now's the time to take it back to 10 because Apple will stop 
allowing downloads of iOS 10 soon, and they'll stop signing it shortly after that. Yeah, I have some devices on iOS 9 that I need to bring up to 10 <laughs> before I can't. <laughs> yes, that's the other, the other scenario. Yeah, yeah, I'm debating whether I need 9 still or not. I think I need to keep at least one device on 9. Uh, I did bring uh, one that was on 11 back down to 10 last week in preparation. Uh, on the 32-bit, you know, one thing that we ran into is we inherited a Unity app uh, that was built with an older version of Unity. And we actually, Unity changed their licensing from a perpetual license to a subscription base, and you had to do 12 months of subscription. So we had to pay for 12 months just so we could compile this app that we inherited uh, and in 64-bit and ship it. <laughs> <laughs> So I, I could see some indie developers out there not really wanting to bear the costs if, if they're in that situation. It kind of depends on whether or not they're still making money from the app. Or hopefully they're using, if they're using Unity, they're probably using Unity for other stuff too. Like I assume the company that you inherited that from is the one who had to bear that cost, not the contractor. Or do you just bake that into the price? I'm not sure how that works. I, I, <laughs> I'm not in that biz. I think we split the price to some degree. Um, yeah, that was pretty generous. Yeah, it was probably too generous. But um, it was built by an agency you know, many years ago, and they needed help keeping it running. So you know, we helped out a little bit with that. And we you know, have the potential of using Unity for other things, but it's not, uh, it's not our primary tool. Yeah, well, now you've got it sitting around for another 11 months, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess there's that. Well, I think that's about all the time we have left for this week. So why don't you guys tell us where we can find you on the Internet? Uh, you can find me at AJ Robinson on Twitter. You can find me at Sam Corder on Twitter. I'm at Alex Argo, and the podcast is at Shared Inst. Uh, come join us in our Slack and talk about all your pain updating for the iPhone 10 just by going to chat.sharedinstance.com and leave us some ratings and reviews and all your podcast uh, listeners and players and we'll talk to you guys soon. All right, see you.